Well, hello everyone. It's good to see you. We miss you. We miss the praise. We miss the, the, the sound of full-throated praise. And we miss Graham's music. He's a fascinating character. He can... He's <laughs> <laughs> the, the only pianist I've ever met who can play with his eyes shut. <laughs> and not only can he tell the black notes from the white notes... But he, he plays the right notes, <laughs> and it's very good to be here. I'm going to read from Galatians chapter 3 through into chapter 4, if you've got your Bible with you and care to look it up. Um, Galatians chapter 3 verse 26. 26. Galatians 3. You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. What I am saying is that as long as the heir is a child, he is no different from a slave, although he owns a holy state. He is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also, when we were children, we were in slavery under the basic principles of the world. But when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under law that we might receive the full rights of sons. Because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And since you are a son, God has made you also an heir. Isn't that wonderful? It's a great uh, letter, a letter to Galatians. I wrote a book in it once. And it was called Born Free. And that's a great story of uh, God's people at Galatia. The Galatian Christians that were like prisoners in so many ways. But they'd been freed from their guards and freed from their minders. And they now belong to God. Their chains fell off. Uh, their hearts were free. They rose, went forth and followed thee. But... Um, uh, I wonder if you could summarize the message of the gospel uh, in simple phrases. And I can in a way, you know, the, 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 the gospel can be summed up. First of all, God is. God exists. They're trying to wipe him out of our vocabulary and the Lord Jesus Christ too. Um, but God exists. God is. Number two is God is love. God is characterized by love, and that's the, the, the keynote for Christmas, isn't it? And thirdly, even more precious, God loves me. God is. God is love. God loves me. When the Roman playwright, play, I'll try this word again, playwrights were writing their plays, there was a man called Horace. The only Horace I ever knew was Hungry Horace in the comics. But... <laughs> This man, Horace, was giving advice to young playwrights and he was complaining that the plays they were writing were littered with gods um, 
and they were polluted in a way with gods and he said to them look fellas if you're writing a play don't introduce a god unless there is a problem worthy of a god's solution and that's the gospel isn't it in a way here's a problem worthy of a god's solution Uh, Augustine said we owed the debt God paid the debt but the only way he could show us that he paid the debt was that he would send his son to pay the debt by dying on the cross and so we've got this wonderful passage the wee bit at the end of chapter 3 summarizes our position in Christ you belong to God verse 26 you belong to Christ verse 27 you belong to one another neither Greek nor Jew slave nor free and you belong to history you belong to Abraham's seed you're marching with Abraham you believe in a God who can bring life from the deadness um, (coughs) of our condition and uh, if there ever was a time when we need God's timing God's sovereignty in our situation it's today here we are in an impasse between the Scots and the English about um, politics and one end are saying you're not getting a fr- another what do you call it what's the word referendum. referendum you're not getting a referendum and she says we will get, get a referendum it's undemocratic not de- what a mess we're in in a whole lot of ways and you, you look at Mr Corbyn you, you think what a horrible state he must feel he's in just now it's awful but you know God's timing's perfect I was talking to an old guy once in the summer an Irishman and he said when things were at their lowest when the, the people of God were in bondage to the Babylonians and they were living in their prisoner of war camps and digging ditches for the Babylonians for the irrigation of their city and they were working in the, the, the gardens as slaves to feed the great population of Babylon what did God do? he sent Cyrus <laughs> Cyrus was the up, he's called in history the upstart from Anshan and within three years he conquered the whole of the ancient Near East and he gave the Jews all the vessels and utensils of the temple and said away back home and he gave them <coughs> land grants for going back to Israel it was astonishing and God said maybe some of these politicians that we're thinking about we don't recognise that they're in the hand of God his timing it's perfect and that's what I'm going to show you in particular from verses 4 through to the, the next couple of verses God but when the time had fully come God sent his son born of a woman born under law to redeem those under the law that we might receive the full rights of sons isn't that marvellous and three simple uh, points from this tonight 
first of all God's timing when the time had fully come I forgot to look up the Greek text but there's two words generally in the New Testament for time one is um, chronos from which we get a chronometer that tells the time um, there's clock time and there's opportune time kairos kairos is a basic principle of the New Testament that God acts in opportune time and so we've got clock time chronos and opportune time kairos and this is God's opportune time at Christmas we remember his intervention with clock time and opportune time and the whole place was a messages the land was a football the temple had been destroyed um, the Babylonians came and smashed their false theology um, as they smashed the gates of Jerusalem it was a land bridge the big powers used it in its history there was only one period in the whole history of the Jews that was in the time of David and Solomon when they had what would be called freedom they were all of the time under the heel of great powers in this case it was Rome in the time of the New Testament the Roman Empire ruled supreme and Shakespeare says about Julius Caesar um, he strides the world like a colossus and it seems at times God's people have felt like that the, the land was a football the land was a land bridge it was a buffer state between big powers their priests, high priests were a failure some of them were terrible one high priest had a thousand fellow Jews crucified, you know that terrible and uh, what an awful state they were in and the Greeks they had a rich culture of baths and libraries and sports facilities and they had a bankrupt philosophy utterly decadent and filthy like ours seems to be now some of the TV channels are more or less non-stop pornography um, the common language which was the uniting factor which made the, the way ready for the gospel to go along these wonderful, wonderful places I mean the, Rome, the Romans had uh, <coughs> built over 50,000 miles of roadways for the gospel to travel along God's timing was perfect Your Roman soldier you not only had a weapon of some sort but you also had a shovel because they were they were digging for roads all the time and they had this open communication this total control the Pax Romana um, and they had a religion of Mithraism was one of the key religions uh, the Roman soldiers particularly were following Mithraism um, and the Roman Empire uh, was dwelling in Rome at least under the rule of the Caesar on bread and circuses feed them and entertain them you know, entertainment's at the heart of our lifestyle nowadays um, so what a mess it was in God's timing when the time had fully come God sent his son 
Isn't that marvelous? That language. When the time had fully come, God sent his son. That was God's timing. Then there's God's touch here. God sent his son. Wonderful. Born of a woman. <laughs> women were rubbish uh, in the, the empire at that time. Amongst the Jews, they had a daily, appeared for daily repetition, which went, I thank thee, God, I was not born a woman. Did you know that? I thank thee, God, I was not born a woman, or a prisoner, or a slave or a Gentile these were the, the four categories that they said in their prayer for daily repetition and what did God do <laughs> he sent a woman he called Mary and he prepared her for the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ and Jesus was born it says in a stable I don't know if it was a stable at all have you ever been to Israel you go to Israel to see everywhere where Jesus stopped for more than half an hour. They put up a huge building, which is a monstrosity of a building. If you go to the field of the shepherds outside Bethlehem, it's, it's limestone rock there, and they've carved out caves in the rock, and the caves often served uh, for stabling animals. And I believe that's where the Lord Jesus uh, came into the earth. In a stable, it wasn't a stable, it was a limestone cave, probably attached to a house. Um, absolutely amazing, God's touch. He sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law. The Lord Jesus Christ was subject to the law, um, not only the Roman law, but the Jewish law as a child. And so much of his life, he quoted the law. And so God came into the world. In the fullness of time, God sent his son. The great French naturalist, Umber, he was out walking with his father one summer day, and uh, in the dust of the road, they saw all the ants scurrying to get out of the way of them as they were walking. And uh, Umber said to his father, um, how can I show the ants that I don't mean them any harm and I'm really quite interested in, in them and uh, amazed at their activities. First of all, I don't see how you can do that, son, unless you become an ant yourself. And in, in, in a sense, that's what God has done. Is God, one of the old hymns says, God contracted to a span. God has limited himself in the birth of the Lord Jesus to a woman, Mary. And she was a sinful woman. She talks about God my Saviour in her wonderful song in Luke's Gospel. A woman born under the law. That was God's touch. Some folk believed in guns. Remember when um, they, tried, they were discussing whether or not to include the Pope and uh, the alliance between Mussolini and, the, the, and Italy and Hitler and Germany and uh, they were bringing in Stalin he was there as well and uh, 
when they suggested bringing in Rome in a formal way to their alliance, Stalin said, how many divisions does he go on? <laughs> he wouldn't say it in that Glasgow way, wasn't <laughs> How many divisions does he go, you know? And the, <laughs> but, but, you know, men believe in the Kalashnikov, but God believes in the cradle. He sent a child born of a woman born under the law and so here he is he came born of a woman born under the law that's God's timing and God's touch and God's target you've got it here in verse 5 to redeem those under law that we might receive the full rights of sons. Now I knew about redeeming when I was a kid because I got sent a lot to the pawn shop. The only decent, the only decent time a piece of clothing we had in the house was the old man's suit. He needed it for football on a Saturday in the pub on Saturday night. And on Thursday I used to be sent, my mother. So my mother called Thursday the day before the morning. <laughs> Because she got her wages on a Friday morning when he came off the night shift. And Thursday was the day before the morrow and we had to resort to several methods of raising enough money to keep going to Friday. And I was sent with the old man's suit. And they'll give you a ticket and if you lose that ticket you're dead. And <laughs> I was told gently by the family. And uh, we used to go... When I say poncho, I can smell the varnish and hear the creak of the hinges. And uh, you go to the counter and you put your parcel there and you get so much for the old man's suit. And on Friday, after she'd been paid, I got sent back. Um, I had to go back and redeem the suit, you see, and bring it home so they could wear it on Saturday. Well, you know, the word to redeem, it means to buy back. And God has brought us back to himself. He made us. And he deserves the right of our lives and our energies and our service and our love. And, and that's, that's why we, Jesus came. He came to redeem us. In the world of the New Testament, it was a word of the slave market. You could go to the slave market and bid for slaves. And they would parade the slaves and describe the slaves and so on. And people could actually buy slaves. And folk could buy them back. If you're a good slave and you went elsewhere, you could buy them back and put them back into your service. Well, God redeemed us. The price he paid was the blood and death and given life of the Lord Jesus in the prime of his young manhood, giving himself to spot, without spot. To God. So isn't it a wonderful thing that slaves can be bought by God and that you and I can be his slaves. You know, a slave, um, I read a big scholarly paper by two Germans, Jehoachim Jeremias and I forget the other guy, <laughs> I couldn't pronounce his name. <laughs> they did a study on the meaning of the word servant uh, in scripture. And they came to the conclusion with this wonderful definition that you knew all the time. A slave is someone who belongs to someone else. 
And yet now I belong to Jesus. That's the Christian song. Jesus belongs to me, not for the, the, the years of time alone, but for eternity. So he, this was God's target, to redeem those who were under the curse of the law because we'd broken it continually. And that was one of the things that fascinated me as a child. When I went in to, out of the cold to a mission hall, and what fascinated me was that the men who spoke at the end of each meeting on a Saturday night, I went to a Saturday night t- gospel tea meeting. It was a bun fight, they called it. And uh, they, had, they had a different turn every night. They had ladies' choirs and brass bands and guys that played the musical saw and all that stuff. And the thing that fascinated me was, how did that man know what I was like? <laughs> a liar, a thief, a cheat, a truant, all sorts of stuff. And uh, I was under the curse of a broken limb. My life was a mess before God. And in the wonder of God's grace, he saved me. Have you been saved? Have you known the the deliverance of the Lord Jesus? Have you known that he has redeemed you and that now you belong to him? That's the message of the gospel. And not only so, but he calls you his son, not his slave. Isn't that wonderful? We are his sons and daughters sons and daughters of the living God we can stand before him and he uses a word here he says because you are sons God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts the spirit who calls out Abba Father and uh, a German gentleman wrote a book called the central message of the New Testament and it was Abba a four letter word you don't even need teeth to say it Abba dear father that was the word that we children used of their father in Israel in the first century Abba father dear father and that's the glory of the gospel and it's the glory of Christmas because think of what would have happened if Jesus had not come we would have been without God we would have been without hope in this world we would have been without a future in heaven do you know that we're going to heaven Christians are going to heaven smile, you're going to heaven (laughs) if you belong to Christ if he's your saviour, if he's redeemed you you're going to heaven and one day you'll see him there's an old man called Samuel Rutherford, a famous Scottish saint. When he was a wee boy, about eight years old, he came in late one day and his parents said, Where have you been, Samuel? He said, I fell down a well and a bony white man came and rescued me. <laughs> if you believe in angels, do you believe in angels? Well, of course, I've been married to one for 55 years. But <laughs> Do you believe in angels? <laughs> a bony white man came. And I don't believe in angels. Her Janet was very ill in America. And she was on her own. And uh, we were praying for her. And uh, she told us later that one night she was on her own in this ward in a, in a hospital in America. And 
the Lord Jesus sent an angel and he was, he was just there at the foot of her bed looking after her and we were reassured that she'd be alright, she's fine she's okay and so we're so pleased that God sends his spirit into our hearts and he doesn't call us slaves now you're my slaves now you're my sons and my daughters and so we can go into this Christmas time thanking God for so much and thank God God is so good we can thank him for anything that he gives us and I pray that God will bless you all at Christmas let's pray together oh Lord our gracious Father we thank you we can come to you at any hour of the day or night or in any situation and we come to thank you for your intervention we thank you that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life and we thank you that now that the Holy Spirit comes into our hearts and the Lord Jesus comes um, to make his dwelling place in our lives we can call you Abba dear Father so Lord we pray for your blessing in the church and congregation we thank you for the children of the church and pray for your blessing on them over this period and we ask you O God that you'll draw each one of us nearer to you and that you'll fill our hearts with thanksgiving to such a great and gracious God we pray in Jesus name Amen